Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Time Out podcast presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. If you're in the market for a shooting machine, look no further than Dr. Dish Basketball's incredible lineup of shooting machines. Their CT, All-Star Plus, and Rebel Plus models have been bought by thousands of programs around the world, while their home model is being used by players all over the country, right in their own backyards and driveways. New to the lineup this year is the Dr. Dish facility model for those with basketball training businesses. These machines are must-have for those looking to take their shooting to the next level. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. It's great to have back on the show App State assistant coach Mark Cassio. Coach, thanks for coming back on the show. And you know I love being here. Love talking hoops with you. Appreciate Coach being willing to, to do this, sometimes at a moment's notice. Sometimes it's just our excuse to get back together over the internet and talk about basketball. If coaches are like me, they're probably starting to think a little bit more specific in regards to like the start of the season and, and practice planning and everything that goes along with all of that. And because how things are for you guys at the Division One level kind of already start started that and maybe several weeks, maybe even for some like several months ahead in that planning process. Let me start like big picture and ask you this. What is the process for how you all are going to go about introducing, starting to walk through offensive and defensive systems? And even in regards to like culture and how you go about doing stuff, I even had a conversation today with our players like completely non-basketball related, but trying to lay the groundwork early. I found like in my coaching, it seems like you have these conversations earlier and earlier every year, whether that's to, you know, cut things off at the nose earlier or just kind of just to make sure like this is how we're going to be as a program. Maybe when do you guys have that, that talk or those kinds of talks amongst yourselves and your team? And what do those look like? And what are the thoughts that you have um, in regards to this is the kind of stuff that I would encourage coaches to think about as they lay things out, especially here early on. I think that starts at the end of your previous season. So right after, you, you know, most of us lose our last game. Um, I think when it's fresh, there's a lot of value in meeting as a staff, unpacking things. I think after the season, you're much less emotional. Um, you're not tied into it. You know, the season is the season, good or bad. Um so love meeting with the staff there. I, I would usually, as a head coach, I would give them a questionnaire just to, as a primer to, to guide the conversation. And then love getting players' perspective um, when it's fresh, especially from the seniors, because they tend to be a little bit more honest. Um, they've kind of gone through the whole deal from start to finish. They can give you really good insight there. So I think that conversation starts immediately. Um, at the, the high school level, you kind of know what you have coming up and then at the college level uh, I wish we knew what we had coming up but with the transfer portal it's uh can be difficult but we usually have a pretty good gauge of of where we're going to be like for us next year's team we're going to be uh we're not going to have quite as many newcomers so we'll have some returners um more so than the previous year but we're going to be smaller so does what does that change tactically what are we going to do differently on both sides of the ball um, we just kick around ideas, you know, it could be pretty informal as we come up with, um, you know, different ways we can tackle offense, defense, things like that. Um, and then as far as the summer, summer goes, we, we have, we're able to work with our players for a certain amount of weeks. We were very, very skill-based. Uh, we don't, and I would, 
I made this mistake too earlier in my career where we, we tried to squeeze every minute in and, and get a head start. And, and I'm a huge proponent in doing things right, but I want practice one to feel like practice one. So we're, we're being really intentional right now with just um, a lot of skill development stuff in an individual or like a really small group setting, maybe one, two, three players in there. Um, and a lot of that, you know, is, is given the constraints like class schedules. Um, so we have position groups. So we have every assistant coach is in charge of five players because we have a 15 player roster. So I will work out our five kids, um, my five kids, depending on their class schedule. That's more, you know, where we can really spend um time on their game going deep into their strengths helping them with their weaknesses and you can blend some team concepts there one thing that we've done a really good job of this year is be back to each other and, and say look like we're like this team concept this week so let's hit on it in our individual group that's gone a long way for us and i think the players um they appreciate that consistency where then when you get in a team practice we're all saying the same things. Um, we've all had the reps. Uh, and along those lines, I, I, I can't emphasize saying the same things. The terminology piece, I think that's something uh, a good off-season project for coaches is clarify things. There's a million ways to say, to describe things. Like if we're talking, like we're using the term tagging the sideline for our, our wings to run and transition. So that the, the fact that they're hearing tag the sideline. One thing our, our head coach wanted us to clean up our outlets. So, uh, you know, one minute of our individual skill session is just a hey, ball goes to the net. Let's let's make sure that we're, you know, outletting this way or let's getting our back to the sideline and we're all doing that. So that really helps from that standpoint. Um, as far as like a, a team-wide thing, you know, uh, we're practicing one day a week. So that's our team practice. Uh, and then we're doing split groups as well. So in our five days, they get two individuals, a split group workout, and then a team practice. Um, so I think we're doing a good job of focusing on them right now and, and not practicing too much, knowing that they're in the weight room, they're doing conditioning, and then they got to go to class. Do you have the practice when it starts? What's your start date? Uh, we're allowed to start September 26 is when we move to 20 hours. Okay. Is that already set as to what you want to be teaching, introducing, et cetera? Like, is it very specific or is that, is there some flexibility to it based off of what you feel like you're accomplishing in the next several weeks for the course of just those eight hours that you have them? Yeah, that, that's a great question because I've always, you know, I think, all system or all great systems begin with the end in mind. And I look at it more of what do we have right now? We, we basically from now, you know, from the start of classes to September 26, we had five weeks, week one of class. It's just kind of, you know, very flexible. We want the players to kind of get adjusted to class. And then there's always that add drop where schedules may change. So really we look at it as a four week block before you know between now and started practice um so i you know we came up with a four-week plan of what we wanted to accomplish the big and i think this changes for everybody um depending on just your staff um where you are in your program and then what you have returning for us we are 
we want to make sure that uh, we're building our transition because we like to play with pace. We're learning how to space the floor and everything else is skill development. Um, so, uh, and when we talk skills, a lot of that is, is 0.5, you know, shooting, shoot it, drive it or move it. Uh, so everything is kind of pulling in that direction and, you know, we're big on two way teaching. So we will hit some defense. We'll get some team concepts in there, but we have a four week plan, but it's, it's not dire that we hit all that stuff that just really acts as a guide for us as we move through. Like even today, uh, my voice is because we, we had our a split group practice. So we had a, a group come in for, um, you know, 50 minute workout and then another group come in for a 50 minute workout. One group kind of trans, you know, transferred things better than the other group did. So we kind of had a plan penciled in for Thursday's practice. We're probably going to scale that back. So I think being flexible, not putting pressure on yourself and just knowing that we have a plan, like a logical flow to it, and we're going to get as far as we can. I, I think it's important that we don't try to move too fast. I think the tendency for coaches is install, install, install. And, I, you know, I just think if you're developing players, like if, if you don't do it now, and it'd be very hard to start doing it in season. It, you know, you should always be developing your players. But like I said, we don't want it to feel like team practice now. I think that's a mistake that we've probably all made in the past. A quick timeout podcast is sponsored by 3on3 Hoops Hub. If you're a basketball coach looking to grow your program, raise funds for your program, or build your basketball business, you're going to want to check out what 3on3 Hoops Hub can do for you. 3-on-3 Hoops Hub has run over 350 3-on-3 basketball leagues for thousands of kids since 1997 and is helping coaches all across country do the same. 3-on-3 basketball is the ideal format for players to get more opportunities, work on all skills and positions, and have fun playing competitive basketball with their friends. You can bring 3-on-3 to your community and do it like an expert by learning from the best 3-on-3 Hoops Hub free training. To find out more and get access to the training, simply click the training.3on3hoopshub.com QTO link in the show notes below. I saw the other day somebody post about the terminology piece, encouraging coaches to like sit down and write out their terminology. It's provided some clarity for us, and it's also like forced us to maybe put some terminology to some things that we didn't necessarily have within just the you know common vernacular that we use with our players. That aids to another, I feel like it's a very another, it's another practical way, very practical way for you to play faster is when you have that terminology, coach faster, play faster has helped with the flow of the pace of our offense and uh, has been a good exercise for us. So yeah, really good point. I mean, let me expand that then out to pass these four weeks. And then as practice starts, do you all have benchmarks then as the season goes and not necessarily like wins and losses. I know some coaches sit down and, you know, they project, you know, should win, not should win. And I'm not, I'm not really talking wins and losses. I'm talking more so of like, you, you want to have installed, for instance, like a zone by this point or whatever. Um, do you have that? And what does that look like maybe offensively and defensively? So yes, we do. Um, that's not something that we've we fully like put together yet. Um, I, what I have is a full like installation guide of everything that we would run or have to install this season. But man, it, it's so fluid. Like I've never I've seen other coaches that have the season laid out. Like October fifteenth, we're putting in our press. October seventeenth. 
I can't do that. It's just, yeah. it's not the, it, my brain does not work like that, but I do think the way my brain works and the way it just makes sense to me is have everything in front of you and know a logical flow to that. Um, so for instance, like right now, like, let's say we were starting practice, you know, we're running a drive and space offense. If we can't space the floor, we can't run drive and space. So I know that we have to check that box before we do the other things. And I know uh, being able to space the floor means it's got to contain X, Y, and Z. So we've got to be able to space it with player movement, how we're going to cut. Uh, when the ball is dribbled, how do we space the floor? Um, and honestly, those are things that we're tackling now. Um, but I just have that logical flow, especially like offensively, defensively, those systems. I think where the gray area comes in is like, well, when do we install our under out of bounds play? Mm. Like to me, I always, um, you know, if we're running the same thing we did last year, it becomes a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I always look for like a catalyst to install something where if we're going to put in a zone, like we have our schedule. And historically, you know, maybe our second, third opponent plays a 2-3 zone, and we're going to play a 2-3 zone this year. So let's put it in before that game. You know, let's sprinkle it in, or, um, you know, things like that. And then that way, as you go, you kind of check off. And when you add, like, maybe something becomes priority, um, like we're going to play a pressing team, or we're going to start working on pressing – practice one, which means something else might take a back seat. But I think an, an area I've grown as a coach is kind of goes with, I guess, playing conceptually, but just if we're going to play against something that we don't like, well, let's incorporate it into what we do. And like, even if like we were never a huge pressing team, uh, we might pick up full court man, but our goal was never to like turn you over for, 32 or 40 minutes, whatever level you're at, but we're still going to install it. So we're always working on ourselves mm -hmm. um, where, you know, we have, like you mentioned terminology where instead of saying like, Hey, let's just pick up full court man here because we're going to see that we would say, Hey, we're in 40. That's our full court man, the man defense uh, because you're always going to need it. And um, so I, I think just look for reasons to install things. But as far as the the systems go, I think there's a logical flow. Like defensively, I'm a big believer is, is just start on the ball. Uh, so like start with with on ball defense and post defense because those are you know kind of your one on ones. If you don't know how to guard the ball, you can't guard the rim, but you can't guard the three either because you're going to be in rotation all the time. Um, and, and a lot of coaches are like, man, well we can't compete because we don't have our system in, but your kids play basketball, they play pickup and they do okay, right? Like they can they can manage to get up and down the floor without having every detail in place. Um, so we always start from the ball, ball side, one pass away, add help, rotation. Then we go transition defense, which you move through that fairly quickly. But I think you have to understand ball, ball side help before understanding transition defense, at least the way we teach it. And then we'll go to common actions. Um, which would be like your cutting, I think, is the easiest way to start. Basket cuts, back cuts, move to screening, and then move to like paired actions, like maybe a stagger or flex, you know, back screen, down screen, things like that. Um, and what the order we install those in probably has a good idea of what our schedule looks like early. Yeah, I've found even it's fluid a lot of times because of like who we face. 
So, uh, you know, if zone offense isn't a really big deal in the first three or four games, we don't even touch zone offense. But to your point, I've also found that, like, whatever is foundational to our overall system of play, that's usually what better get a lot of attention. And we have in the past, I remember even last year, like we were trying to introduce something that was taking up a lot of time, but it it wasn't necessarily something that was one of those big system things. And it really hurt us early on. And now looking back on it, I'm thinking like if we would have done it, but it still required a lot of work, which was unfortunate. And so I almost feel like if you're going to be doing something, a lot of it or introducing it early, you better be pretty close to being married to it if you're prioritizing that much time to it. And yeah. uh, that was a mistake that we made last year, but well, you we know, one thing, unfortunately early. Yeah. Well, one thing we did last year is we started as a man to man team. And then um, kind of like that catalyst of like, Hey, we, we want to have a change up here. We're going to see some zone. We have some extra time over our Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe let's put in our, our zone. And then once we did, we hardly played man anymore. I mean, our, mm-hmm. our zone was really good. Our man wasn't, um, you know, we never just found a rhythm with it. We had like a COVID break and all that stuff. So it wasn't, it just wasn't as good as our zone. So yeah. we, uh, we put it in late and stayed with it. And, um, you know, this year our, our man and zone, our principles are going to match. Um, as far as like, you know, cutting the floor, things like that. So uh, it's going to be easy, I think, to install both. And, and But I, I would imagine us to be primarily man-to-man. Uh, yeah, I feel like for a lot of college teams, which high school teams may not have this luxury, depending on how your schedule is set up, but that Christmas time is like a, hey, let's add in this because we have a little extra time. And yeah. unfortunately, over the last two years, COVID breaks have also been like a, like last year was a really big COVID. Our, our sickness in January was like, actually turned out to be like a real big, big part of like us turning and then finishing the way that we did. So yeah, sometimes the breaks are expected and sometimes they're not, but right. blessings and disguises. Um, is there anything in particular you feel like you just talked about like the, the defense there a little bit, but do you feel like anything in particular you want to do earlier in the season than you did last year? Because you think like it will really help us based off maybe what we saw last year or what we, what we think because of this group that we have that we should be doing earlier? Um, That's a good question. You know, last year was a little unique because I was, it was my first year um, as an assistant at App State. Um, And I was doing a lot with the offensive stuff. And um, I kind of had to go through of like, what are are we going to run from what I used to run and what they ran and kind of blending those things. And, Honestly, like it kind of sounds like we were in the same situation last year. We kind of got to almost like I would say later than this point in the year. And I went to our head coach and I was like, I really think we should be running X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, it wasn't a wholesale change. It was just kind of adding another kind of package um, series to it. Um, coaches that that are familiar probably know what I'm talking about. So um, we almost, you know, this year we're just so much more buttoned up efficient, you know, you forget how difficult year ones are. Um, our head coach has been there for, you know, eight years, but um, we had two new assistants. Um, so it was year one for, for some of us, we made some changes. We had a lot of newcomers. So this year, I, I don't know that I feel like we're probably just doing what we would do with a veteran group. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Anything that you feel like you want to put off that like maybe you even thought was important 
thought this, and I think you you could answer this maybe kind of uniquely because you did come from high school to college, and it could be something like this worked really well for us or whatever. And I feel like now kind of pushing that off could be helpful to our program here. Yeah, you know, I think the nothing particular comes to mind, but I do think the difference between high school and college with the players is the players have just been around the game longer. So I think probably in high school, if if like you're doing something and it's not quite right or you haven't installed something else that fits with that, like the high school kids honestly might not even know. Yeah. Um, but in college, it's like you get to something and they're like, well, we haven't we haven't gone over that yet. And it's like, but it doesn't matter, you yeah. know, like, right. But we're not there. That's a that's on the not yet list. So let's just yeah. do this. And it's like, OK, where, you know, the high schooler might not even wreck They don't know that they don't know. Um, so I, I think for in a lot of ways, just the challenge as a coach at this point in the year is understanding that not everything's going to be perfect. And sometimes you're just teaching them how to practice or sometimes you're teaching the drill and how well the drill is executed or like if we're teaching a drill and if the effort's not great or we're turning it over a bunch, it's probably because they're thinking about the drill and just understanding that as a coach and just, hey, we've got from now until March to get better at this. Right now we're in the learning phase, not the performance phase. So I think things like that just you know, as you, you know, you go through your coaching career and journey, you just get so much more used to that. It comes a lot more natural. I know early in my career, probably a maniac where I would give my team 30 instructions and then expect them to do it perfect. And I have this vision of what I want it to look like in my head. And it doesn't, it's their fault, but uh, I was just, just being impatient, you know, and, and wasn't going through the process. Really. Yeah. And that brings up something that was beneficial for us last year. I know you and I talk a lot about offense, but this is actually defensively. And I do think it's like an advantage of, of teaching out of concepts and teaching your players concepts, whether that's on the offensive side or the defensive side. Like We put a lot of time into a matchup zone and going into this, the regional semifinals against the host team that had already beat us once on their floor. The head coach and I, like that morning of, I had kind of been thinking of it. It's one of those things where it's kind of weird. Like we start to like think, think each other's thoughts type of thing, but it was really his, like his thing. So I'll give him credit for it. But he was like, dude, what do you think about, this was like in the, in the fitness center of the hotel. He was like, dude, what do you think about running a box in one on their, on their, their, the all region player? And I was like, actually, I think that's a great. And we went to the, the shoot around that morning at like 10 o'clock and installed our box and one that we had not run literally one possession all year of and ended up, it was effective won the regional, not, not the reason why we won it, but the, why we won that game. But we had, it was something that was kind of had been put off, but we had prepared the guys. And to your point, like if you can train your players, you can come to, if you train them in concepts and understand, you know, basic defensive philosophy in this case, and you can go and introduce something. I'm not talking about like running, running jump or something like that, like, but something, just a minor adjustment. And if you can relate that then to like, no, you guys know how to do this already. It's just a few little adjustments. Like they bought into it. They were all in on it and it ended up, up helping us help us win. So, yeah. And I, I love the way you fra like frame that. I was going to say the same thing is like, you almost, I hate to say sell it because I, I think, players will do anything you ask them to do, you sure. know, at the end of the day, but it's, 
if you kind of just frame it as this mu isn't much different than what we already do, it's just this is the tweak. Mm -hmm. um, and things like a box and one is like, I feel like the more you coach it, the worse you get at it. So oh, like, yeah. it's better sure. just like get in a box, play hard. Don't let this player touch the For ball. Sure. Um, but, and I think, you know, it's cool that y'all had that like same intuition. And I think as a head coach um, and I know, you know, assistant coaches too, we like, we, we all have this like intuition, but I think as a head coach, they, they have that strong sense of like who their team is is and um because they're looking at it as a different lens than us maybe but i would say trust your gut you know if something is just like weighing on you like i really think this is the right thing to do you probably should be doing it um and it kind of goes up with our conversation of like what to install when to install it i think the challenge is what we want to install versus what we really need to install like what i think you know we see all this cool stuff and it's like well let's do that today or let's do that tomorrow at practice, but that's not really what your team needs. So that that's really the challenge. I saw on your schedule, I was looking at it here this afternoon. Uh, you guys actually opened with Charlotte and then I saw you go up to Ann Arbor, play up there at Michigan as well. Any kind of particular philosophy on, on scheduling those types of non-conference games to, are they preparing you for certain things within the conference? Um, how, do, how does that kind of work as far as like preparing for, the real season, which is that regular, that, that regular conference slate and then the conference tournament. There's a ton of factors that go into scheduling. I, you know, just some like things we try to do is stay pretty regional in our non-conference. And then, you know, I always looked at it as like, there's, there's kind of three levels of teams. Level one, you could probably show up and win. You could have some bad practices leading up. Maybe the guys aren't completely focused and it would take a lot for you to lose. There's level twos where like, hey, this is going to be a coin flip. Like we, We've got to play well, but it's not like we've got to play out of our minds well to win the game. And then level three, that's, you know, when you're going up to Ann Arbor, or, uh, you know, Charlotte's going to be a heck of a test for us. And we're going up to West Virginia. Those are the ones where it, it almost brings out the best in you in a way. Like I think you learn a lot about your team where or it, it's kind of like fight or flight. Like, are you going to show up a million physically? Last year we, had, we played at North Carolina and at Duke. Um, both teams obviously very good. At North Carolina, we, we didn't really show up. <laughs> Uh, but w exactly one week later, we played Duke. And that experience of playing North Carolina and then going into playing Duke, um, you know, I think we actually won three quarters. Um, mm. We played quarters on the women's side. We won three of the four quarters. Just the quarter we lost, we really <laughs> lost it. Uh, so, um, but just that experience, man, you learn so much about your team playing those like level three teams. Um, and then it's a, and then like at the college level too, it's a cool experience. Like we try to, like, if we have a kid from, you know, Texas, well, we try to schedule a game in Texas for them, you know, so that kind of goes into it. But, you know, as far as the competition, you know, we try to play just teams that look like our conference a little bit, you know, that are going to be, you know, physically, um, a good comparison to our conference, maybe style of play. And then also I think setting up some road trips where our conference plays Thursday, Saturday. Mm -hmm. So we'll even try to get like a Thursday, Saturday road trip just so we can give our team a taste and see 
how difficult it is to play a Thursday, get a very limited practice Friday, and then play on Saturday. Um, so I think, you know, your non-conference, I think even more so at the college level than the high school level, you're trying to build experience against a variety of different teams. Um, and I think a good mix of level one, twos. I, th I think you got to have a couple level ones on there, uh, majority level twos. But then, man, sometimes those level threes are the, the memorable ones that like really define your season. Last thing here, you know, you mentioned year two. Is there anything personally that you're planning to do different this year based off of your experience from last year? So last year, I felt like I was learning on the fly, um, just new challenges, um, new adventures, new players, new coaching staff. Um, so I was learning on the fly, but still adding a lot of value, but kind of in my lane. This year, my, my role has changed a bit, and it, it really challenged me to think like a head coach again, which is, uh, which is awesome. You know, it's like um, – I'm getting the best of both worlds here. I'm, I'm an assistant coach for a division one program working for a head coach that does an awesome job with our players and, and staff. So I just, I've really challenged myself to think like head coach. I have a shared Google doc with the head coach where I just kind of think like, these are probably things if I was the head coach, I'd be thinking about. So I think I'm just kind of picking up on more things in year two, as far as like, what's probably on their radar it should probably be on my radar because I think that's what good assistants do. Um, trying to take a lot off of her plate. Uh, so now that I kind of know the way we do things, I can help our operations. I can help our other assistants just like, hey, doesn't even have to get to the end of the hall. Let's do this. We'll be good. And then, you know, invest in our players more. Um, I think um, – you know, just being year two, I'm not the, the new coach anymore. We have a lot of returners, the relationships, the foundation is there. Uh, so it's been really cool just to be able to invest in them. Like it's not a figuring out who each other is on a surface level. Now we can go a little deeper and, and just kind of help them personally more. Back when we started talking about kind of the prepping and the planning, I hadn't intended to do this, but we actually did a master class about two months ago. And that's available on CoachTube. And I thought you did a fantastic job, like laying out kind of how you go about thinking, installing. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the type of offense that, that Coach Cassio runs, ran in high school, and then they're running now. It's really anything, I feel like, for, for coaching the way that most coaches now are starting to kind of think about the game and what they want their players to learn about and that kind of thing. I mean, any highlights with that? You're starting to post some things I saw on social media as well. So probably people have seen some, some clips of that. But I think you, you brought up a good point of like, it doesn't have to be for a certain system. I, I think what like really makes me tick is like just doing things like as well as we possibly can, mm -hmm. um, whether it's like laying out our off-season program. Like, I, you know, I work with coaches with, with the consulting and um, uh, a lot of the conversations lately have been, this is what my state regulations are. You know, these are the kind of the constraints and rules I have. And it's, it's different, you know, across the board, but I always look at it as like, what can we do versus what can't we do? And let's, whatever we can do, let's do better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. uh, let's be more efficient. Let's, let's, you know, plan. I think 
having a plan, even if it's a bad one, sets you up to get something done. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have a plan, it's like, oh, let, let, let's just play pickup or, you know, whatever. So uh, with the with the thing that the masterclass that we did, I, I love that one, man, because it, it had a lot to do with practice where, you know, we all have the same amount of practice time. Uh, like right now, every Division One program has eight hours. September 26th, we're all going to have 20 hours. How can we do that the best we've ever done it? Because there always is a better way. I think as a coach, that's really what makes me tick. And that's why I continue to change what, not, and I don't want to say change, but maybe innovate or tweak, uh, come up with new ideas. It's because I know the way I'm doing it right now in three, four, five years, I'm going to look back and be like, man, that's a good thing because that means you're growing and changing. So I think that's what really makes me tick as a head coach. Uh, can, go ahead and tell people about the consulting and then where they can find out about that or connect with you on social. Sure. Um, I think a lot of coaches come for for offensive stuff. It's kind of what I've, I hate to say, even been labeled. It's just kind of has been my wheelhouse. But I equally care about defense and, and I'm huge on skill development. And I've just kind of refined – what we do, how we do it, and I've made it better on the floor, off the floor. So I think coaches end up getting a lot more than what they they probably think the the courtside consulting program is about. I help coaches in a lot of ways. So a lot of archived practices, game film, webinars, clinics, um, but also just like a shared Google Doc between you and I. And you just go in there and you type out 10 questions and um, I'll go in there and give feedback, drop links, drop diagrams, pictures, one-on-one uh, -on -one calls with coaches is, is usually one of the highlights of my day. Um, just talking with coaches, building relationships with them uh, and, and getting to know them and their programs and seeing them kind of move the needle. That's been great. So really it's, it's everything. It's anything that you want it to be. If you just want the stuff, you've got it. Like I just put together like an 80 page manual on offense which I've never done before. I did a 70 page one on defense. So I've never had anything like put together like that. Um, and that's got like descriptions, diagrams, videos. Uh, it's kind of like the one-stop shop. Uh, but I, I think the, the most value is exactly what we were just talking about. It's the execution in it. So real quick, I know we're wrapping up here, but I'm getting a dog this weekend and, uh, so I've been watching YouTube videos on how to train a dog. And it's so like this just keeps resonating with me. And I think it's good for coaches. So they talk about doing drills with the dog and the drills are going to look pretty good inside. And then you get them outside where there's more variables. There's noises, there's movement. It's not going to transfer. And I'm like, OK, well, that's like block practice to game. OK, I, that you're speaking my language. And then the the trainer is saying like, well, look, I'm going to, you know, pay him is what they call when they give him like a little treat. I'm going to, even though he didn't do it perfect, I'm going to pay him because he did this. And it's, it's like that art of coaching, you know, is like, well, that wasn't exact. Like, this is the feedback I can give right now, or this is the drill that we can do with this constraint because I know what it's going to look like before we even go to practice. And I know what the benefit of that is going to be. So um, it's crazy, man. The parallels between training a dog and training a basketball team. It's, uh, it's pretty cool as a coach, just to look at that. They didn't suggest adding a defender. That's always a solution for basketball, <laughs> right. add a defender. So hopefully uh, you guys work together better than that. So yeah, I, you do a fantastic job with, uh, especially I haven't 
one of, if not the best, as far as like tagging, librarying, video, and just having having those types of resources were especially helpful for me to be able to see the concepts and then have them applied. But I think that probably this is where a lot of coaches miss it is it's just that gathering of knowledge and seeing how to do it. But I have most benefited with meeting with guys like you and, and some of the others that we've had on the show, but like interacting and really hearing how they do it, asking the questions, getting the feedback. And, and that's, I think we're probably most coaches who invest in something like this see the most return is in that rather than just the resources that are available through the people themselves. So, Absolutely. and they can find them, find that at. Yeah. Uh, coach Cassio.com, uh, Mark Cassio at Gmail and at coach Cassio on Twitter. That's coach Mark Cassio of app state women's basketball team. Always a pleasure coach. Appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it.